dignity does not consist in possessing honors, but in the consciousness that we deserve them. Aristotle. Bending, not breaking. Season seven, episode four. The call. Welcome to Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. I'm Ben. And we are talking more, more Legend of Korra today. And I'm super jazzed about it. We've got a good episode. Some might call it a filler. Some might feel like it's a filler episode. It's uh, not. But it's not. It's absolutely not. A lot of character development. A lot of some moment, lot of moments. And there's uh, one specific moment we'll get to that, like, tears. Tears yeah. fell on my face. There's some it was a thing. things. So and we'll talk about that uh, as we talk through it. But... Before we jump into that, how's life with you? What's going on? Anything cool happened? What was the last good thing you watched, maybe? Yeah, lots of cool things. So I splurged, and it's actually not that much of a splurge. It's pretty cheap for what you get. But um, Magpie Games, which is the company that created Avatar Legends, which is the tabletop RPG in the Avatarverse, uh, has put out curated games that people can like strangers from all of the world can join. And it's led by a GM who is running the game and telling this story. And we all create characters to be a part of it. And I, I signed up for a two shot. It was only 30 bucks for eight. You're doing, you're doing a, you're doing literally like a dungeons and dragons in the avatar world right yep. now. Yeah. And that's so, cool. It's a two shot. It's two nights. It cost me 30 bucks. And I was like, I'm pretty low on funds. So that was like, okay, worth it. So worth it. It's eight hours of entertainment and fun and joy in the avatar verse. So that's, I've been, I wrote about it. I've enjoyed it. I've really think it's a super cool system. I'm super down to like, let's get some our patrons and start a game. Like I'm here for it. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Very cool. Um, yeah, I've been watching, I've been trying to watch all the Oscar stuff. Uh, you've been, been, my goal. been trying to watch all the Oscar stuff. Yeah. Go jump all over onto TikTok. Follow us over there. Uh, but yeah, uh, trying to watch all the Oscar stuff as, as much as I can prior to it happening on March 12th. I don't think I'm going to get through all 54 movies just because that you have to pay for. And I don't know if I, I'm that interested in comp- uh, doing it, but the yeah. stuff that I can see in theaters or like is streaming, I'm trying to catch up on all that. So we're getting close. I think I've seen 44 ish movies at this point. So we're working on, on it. We'll see if we Nicolas get there. Cage work. Yeah. Also, a lot of Nicolas Cage movies that I'm watching. So follow us on TikTok for all of that conversation because yeah. uh, there's a lot going on over there. But we're jumping back into Cora. We're looking at this specific episode through a lens of dignity. Dignity. We haven't. And about that is a word that I think you hear a lot of. You hear a lot of. Oh, you need to act with grace and dignity, and 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 this is that's not very dignified, and yep. we didn't love so. But the definition, we, we got to break it down a little bit more than that because I think we use that terminology a lot without sure really do. actually approaching the meaning of the word. And so it typically is it's an umbrella term of like what I have felt has been classism, right? Like dignified yeah. is elitist. It's this. If you're not acting in a way that I deem 
up to my standard, then you're not dignified. And so what are we really talking about? It, yeah. Especially in this episode where that's in a swamp with three kids going and finding the avatar, <laughs> like how in the world are we going to connect these two things? Yeah. So what's really interesting to me about dignity is I, I, I had to, I was reading and researching and trying to find quotes for this and I didn't like most of them because they were rooted in something that I couldn't quite place that. So I ended up going to the etymology and the etymology of dignity is, you know, it'll say it comes, it has amounted to the state of being worthy. And it has the same roots as um, dignitary, um, to deign to do something, that D-I-G. But then it goes all the way back to the very first root that kind of led to all of the, the evolution of the word is deck, D-E-K, which is to take or accept. So if we were to go and track that and trace it, is it's not just the state of being worthy, it's acceptance of worthiness as well. And so when I think about dignity, it's not just my, my current state of worthiness. It's also, am I, do, if I feel dignified, am I able to accept that I am worthy also? Um, which is really, really interesting, especially when you track it through what you were just talking about, like the history of how it has been used and who has been using it, who gets to decide who is dignified? Frankly, it's people in positions of power and privilege, right? When we're talking on a cultural standpoint, right? Well, yeah. So like when you're From looking a cultural at, standpoint, you're saying that you as a person get to decide what dignity is and what that means to you in the way that you show up, a sense of pride in, in the way that you exist through life gets to be dignity as well. That is what the words etymology would suggest. Yes. That is not how it has been used. Correct, right? It's uh, you, you are not dressed dig in a dignified way. You're out of dress code because you're wearing spaghetti straps in high school, right? Like stupid stuff. Yep. Like that's not very dignified of you. Yeah. Um, I think I always think back to this story, uh, which is weird. I was in college, uh, and I was an RA, and this guy that I was lived on my floor. At some point, they decided to go like take a Christmas tree and march it around. Uh, the dorm room mm -hmm. on their way out. It sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dumb, stupid. Someone, you know, told him, like, they're like, you think you're cool. You're not being cool. And his response was just kind of like, you don't get to tell me what I think is cool. Like, that's that's personal. And I was like, that was an, a jaw-dropping moment for me because it was just a stupid moment, right? It was a throwaway moment. Um, but that idea around you don't get to dictate what I feel is dignified or what I feel is cool was a really neat moment that has stuck with me for the, the next 15 years of my life. Yeah. Um, and so dignity, I think is what you get to view as dignified in the way that you show up for yourself for community is super important that other people don't get to tell you what that looks like. Yes. And I think that the, if we push that to its extreme, it, it can become problematic. problematic, right? And so you not, yes, you want to have the agency to determine uh, your inherent personal dignity, but also you need to be willing to lean into feedback, right? If you are going through this, 
in a way that is without feedback and like, no, 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 this is only my decision. And I'm the, I'm the one, I'm the only person who can determine what is dignified, then that's also problematic, right? Balance. The overarching theme of all avatar lore, right? Is is what is the balance that is, that exists in that space? Yes. And also who, who are you accepting that feedback from? Right? Like, um, are we accepting feedback from the people because they hold the most money, the most power, Mm-hmm. Or are we accepting feedback from the people who are most bought into supporting community or supporting, yeah. you know, it's right. So who is, who are we taking that feedback from? Um, we, you know, when you think about like work feedback, feed, I, I love the idea that feedback is you always have to filter all of it, right? Like, yes, it's a coffee filter. You're going to put some beans, you're going to put some water, you're going to put some ground coffee in there. And then you're really going to take the stuff that like you like or that yeah. feels the best out of that. Um yeah. And so that's that's important. Yeah, who's getting to to claim what's dignified is is super super important. Um, sure. especially if we're looking at like the state of Florida right now, right? Like, yeah, that's here a- are books that aren't dignified. We're not going to put them in our schools. And you're like, well, is it because it talks about American history <laughs> with some yeah. honesty? Is it because it, it's a children's book that has two dads? Yep, because. That's an issue, right? Like that that you're that someone in power gets to claim that these things aren't dignified, and so we we get to get rid of them. Correct. When that's not what the community is saying. Yeah, exactly. So or I guess stripping the humanity out of out of others. Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess that's what, in a way, people will wield dignity in their language to appeal to a larger audience claiming that they know what the word means right claiming that they have the full understanding of what dignified means when it is really not rooted in any one ideology right it's rooted in a community like a community understanding and a communal understanding that i think we have to kind of embrace and learn and um i i think we see that in this episode well, let's jump into the episode, but first we have to do the 30-second recap, which is not my favorite thing, but yeah, it's a thing. But It's good to know that, that some of our guests think I do it better than you. That gives me a little bit of... You know what? I think you do it better than me. Oh, and that, humility. What's that yeah, like? I can't wait for you to just embrace taking it for the rest of the time. I'm going to set a goal at one point just to do do them in 10 seconds and just 20 minutes of dead space 20 seconds of dead space afterwards that's a great terrible idea yeah i'm Wait. sure listeners to this audio format would love that yeah so. super super okay. fully undignified all right you got the timer on the clock i do you got the time on the clock on timer ready mark get set go Tenzin and Pema uh, say bye to the kids as they leave to go find Cora. The search goes poorly. Cora starts to see visions of her past abusers. Icky walks away from the group after Mila throws food and gets picked up by two Earth cops who try to use kidnapping to get promoted in their organization. Uh, red flag. Icky escapes in, uh, after learning of the swamp with the help of Janora and Milo. And Cora gets reconnected to the Earth through the banyan tree and Janora finds her, which is really nice. And there's a really beautiful moment. And then Cora bends metal out of her body and the avatar state is back. You, 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 I felt you slowing down. Cause you're like, I have so much time. And then yeah. you, you almost like, you almost had it. It was almost perfect. 29 out of 30. Well, 
I slowed, oh yeah, I slowed down because I was just kind of like, I didn't, I didn't know where I was at. You didn't give me like a 15 second, like you were doing so well. Uh, like I didn't, you didn't give me a pacer. I blame yeah. you. I blame you. <laughs> <laughs> to be truly great. You need to be able to do it without a pacer. It's your fault. Yeah. Take the blame. All right. Uh, dignity in this moment is an interesting lens because there's not necessarily a lot of moments where you're like, that's undignified. Right, like, I you know, short of uh, kidnapping a child and trying to use them for a promotion, I would I would claim that there's not a lot of dignity in that. Um, but you know, whereas when you were watching this episode, what what's one of the big moments where you're like, let's talk about dignity in this space? Yeah, frankly, every interaction with the the trio of children was a a, a dignity moment for me. There, I think looking through sibling interaction is really fascinating to think about when in in terms of dignity but before we get there we also have this um setup of Hema who has prepared this food for them to leave which you know as the kids are going off adventuring Pema's like are we sure that they're ready for this and expresses that hesitancy and depending on where the kids are in their mental state and where they feel prepared and how they feel prepared I wonder if that could be perceived as, oh, I'm not, I'm not worthy of going on this, this mission. Right. And I, so I, I think a lot of times we're going to be talking about this through like perception of how of, that of worthiness, taken, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I could imagine if I were in a space of, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Or if the story I'm telling myself is that mom doesn't approve of me going, then I could feel less worthy if I heard her expressing that hesitancy. No. Do we feel like Milo's almost overconfidence or overconfidence, maybe, maybe slightly into arrogance is more of a mechanism of I don't know if I feel good enough for this and so I'm going to, to outwardly like pretend that I'm overly good enough for this uh, moments of like yeah these two girls didn't help me at all uh you know I, you know I gotta keep them in line like those types of moments have always struck me as kind of like a I don't know if I'm actually good enough to be doing this um and maybe I'm overcompensating for that well, one of the things we see is Milo is a really interesting like case study in this episode in particular, just because Milo is so confident. And then he's like, no, nah, we're going to live off the land. We're going to do all these things. And mom's like, but I packed you your lunch. <laughs> and it's we macarons. See, we see two sides of Milo in this of the I'm super confident in charge, know what's going on. But also, I can't eat this because it's smudged. And I think that's a really helpful clue for us that kind of I, I thought the same thing. So is this confidence a front for the insecurity that he might be feeling about going out for the first time and being like being on a mission for the first time. So I had a similar thought. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting. Cause I, I feel like I've seen in media before this idea around I'm, I'm running away and the parents like kind of help pack the child or like have a lunch waiting at the door for them as they're huffing and puffing on their way out. 
um as and it's always as a way of like you're loved like you're loved and i'm here to to help you and support you and take care of you and i trust that maybe you'll make the right decision and come back or the kids sit down is like all right well i'll eat dinner and then i'm then i'm gone yeah um and it is this it's this fight i think that is that does happen with a lot of kids teens this idea of i can be self-sufficient I like I need need to believe that I am good enough to do these things to navigate this space, even if there's things that I'm not good enough to like that will I will fall short in. Um, and then how does that translate to us as adults with like imposter syndrome and this idea around like so frequently I feel like we have to have conversations with with peers or colleagues or people that we support who are like I'm not good enough to do this thing, and you have to sit sit there and be like no like you were hired for a reason. You are good enough to do this thing. Now, maybe you don't feel like you have the tools. We can work yeah. on that, but you're good enough to, to do this job. Cause I did it and I was terrible at it. Or like, <laughs> I was like, or like I did a good job at it and I was a bad employee um, or I know nothing. Uh, so there's this, I think that translates a little bit into this lesson. Again, how, how are we viewing ourselves? And we see Milo in this point be like, I am a man who can take care of things, who can go on this adventure. And I don't want to admit that I don't, that I can't find food for myself. Um, so it, it's an interesting thing to watch take place. Well, and when he finally does, he messes up, right? He, he finds berries that ends up leading to him throwing up. Um, he and Pokey, right? And so I wonder in that moment, like he continues to deny, right? The whole time he's talking to Janora continues to deny that it's not working. Um, and it's really interesting to me that there isn't like a, a moment where it's like, we don't see Milo break down and be like, you're right. I'm not worthy. I'm not dignified. I screwed up. We don't, we don't see that breakdown moment, but I wonder if there's something going on in his head that is continuing to, to double down on the confidence as a way to cope with that insecurity. Right. Um, so that he doesn't have to break down because breaking down in front of your two sisters, right. Is uh, ew, like in a, in a, especially in, you know, our culture in the United States, uh, the idea of a young boy having feelings in front of his sisters is, um, probably a uh, pretty scary no that's that's a... that's not that's not masculine yeah that's not masculine why would you share your feelings exactly yeah yeah when we know um, that it that's preposterous right we we are human beings and we all have feelings and men have the feelings my favorite quote is that's not how feelings work yeah that's always my like <laughs> yeah. you have to you have to push that down that's not how feelings work yeah um yeah and how does that correlate to us uh, you know if we if we look over to core and talk this feeling of not being good enough not feeling like we are dignified or, or not feeling like we have a sense of pride in what we do or the ability to do stuff right like you've got to bend that metal out of you i don't know if i can do that yeah right i'm too broken to do that well, i'm i can't fathom it hurts i'm not doing it um well, there's and that's there's two things in that that I really one appreciate Toph for and then two like I'm annoyed with Toph for one I I think that 
that is the balance of Toph in a nutshell from from the moment we meet her to, to yep. even now is <laughs> I, she does this so well. And I'm annoyed with her approach because yep. that is not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it is the right move to have Cora bend the metal out of her, her own body rather than for Toph to do it. I think yeah. that is a, a really helping Cora feel agency. I think it's helping Cora, like using her, helping her see her own ability to self determine and make her own choices. And up until this point, she has made fun of her for not being able to do it thus far. And right, you know, and so had it's it goes back to this idea of tough love, right? Where like you are the you're the worst avatar in the history of ever which is exactly what Cora has been thinking <laughs> right that like and so there's this weird balance of like Toph saying exactly what's wrong and then also let that ending with her doing the right thing um and getting to the right ending I guess but like I just and I just wonder if it could it could have been done better <laughs> you know like but I guess moral the answer is yes. There's it always can be done better. Uh, but yeah, uh, when we we it happened with Katara, it happened with Toph. This idea yeah. of I can get you there, but you gotta you gotta heal yourself on this, right? Yes. Um, and I think and that's and that's that's what's interesting yeah. because Katara said the same thing in a much kinder way, but Cora didn't respond, and she gets to Toph gets beaten down a little bit by Toph and Toph yeah. is essentially saying something very similar, but Cora does respond. And that is not to say that the way that Katara did it was wrong or that it was wrong for Cora. It's to say that Cora is in a different place. She is in a different time. She has grown. She has further grappled with her, her symptoms and serious, like her, her feelings and she is now capable and able to take this on. And I'm not sure that what Toph did is what made that happen. You know, I, I think Katara laid a serious foundation for Korra to get to this point. Um, but I, I guess that goes to show that like, just because you didn't uh, as a clinician or as someone who's working with someone, just because you weren't able to solve the problem doesn't mean you didn't help them get to the point where they can. Um, and I think that's important as, as we think about friendship too, when we're helping our friends, you can help them and they may not like respond, but that doesn't mean they don't hear you. That doesn't mean they're not listening. That doesn't mean they're not, um, feeling the dignity that you are bestowing upon them, whether they can like accept it or not. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. So much to process. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. It's 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 super interesting because to, you know who doesn't like has a very healthy sense of dignity? Off. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get to judge me for like who I am and what like I know what I bring to the table and and, and there's a confidence level there that's fantastic. Um but it go it kind of gets to your point of are there times that Toph causes harm because she's not a allowing the feedback from others she's in community with to say, hey, when you do that, it's a little rough, right? We we, we think all the way back to Toph when she's teaching Aang to Earthbend. Yeah. And Katara is kind of like, hey, this might be not the best way to reach Aang. And Toph doesn't want to hear it, yeah. right? You know, like, 
Um, and so those are moments where we talked about that balance at the beginning that, that certainly exist that maybe she's lacking a little bit. One of the things that I do want to bring up when it comes to dignity is not just dignity as a person, but what is worthy of being having honor or respect. And we get to look at the banyan tree. Mm -hmm. um, okay. and how are we respecting culture and how are we respecting artifacts and how are we respecting these things that bring meaning and purpose to people's lives? Um, and, and how do we honor those things? And I think the banyan tree is one of those things. It's a perfect example of, of a, I'm not gonna say non-living cause it, it, right. It's a tree, it's living, yep. it's, it's reaching out. Um, but this maybe this non-humanoid form of things, right? This artifact that um, that is worthy of honor and respect, and we see the, how it connects and links people, and and how are we showing honor to those types of things? Um, and then what does that even look like in our own lives? I wish I had a banyan tree nearby, but what is what is our what yeah. is our banyan tree that brings that type of joy of connection to ourselves? Well, and I think it's not just connection to ourselves, but what the banyan tree offers in this episode is it is a link to others, right? It is a chance for you to tap into the connection between people. And this is what ultimately helps Janora find Cora, right? This is this is the the capacity that Cora needs. And it's, you know, just a, a side tangent is like we see how that trauma has alienated Cora more and more to the point where she's been alone. But the episode two episodes ago was Cora alone. And now we get to this point where Toph says that you have lost your connection, right? To yourself and to others. And yeah. connecting seems like the way to heal, right? And when we think about what connects us, right? One, I think about all kinds of things, right? There's just so much it, that, that is communal and shared space. But like the first thing that comes to mind is like, how do we, like the ban on smoking in public places is a, a really interesting place to think about, like to think about this of when one person smokes in a public space and 20 other people are inhaling that secondhand smoke, it is you are contaminating <laughs> what is a, a that community a, space, a communal space, right? Yeah. Something that it, we are all connected through, which I would argue is similar to this banyan tree, right? Um, but and that's just one example. Did you have other examples in mind when you were thinking about this? No, so I it makes me think of friend of the podcast, Tas, uh, Casper or Kyle, who's been on the show. So go back and check out that episode, uh, back in season three. Um, wrote the book, The Power of Ritual. And I think of ritual practices as having this ability to build community and connection in the way that we honor not only um, the practice in itself, but the community in which we're serving and the people who are in that community. And so what are those ritual practices? I think back to uh, being a part of summer camp as a, as a young adult mm -hmm. um, and the practice of passing around candles and allowing campers to come up and talk about like, what was the most important lesson they learned. And that was a really cool practice because it connected a lot of people to those experiences. Yes. The old, the oldest kids and counselors who are hearing a kindergartner say like, I learned how to make friends this week was a connecting piece back to their journey of being a kindergartner at summer day camp. Yeah. That was a practice that a lot of people held and gave. It was, it was filled with dignity. 
Um, and it, and it was a, a respect of the practice. And so the practice of meditation, grounding, touching the banyan tree and connecting through that is one that like, if I was the avatar, I'd be going back to the banyan tree probably like annually just to like sit and rest and, and be a part of, because I think there's such a powerful, uh, that's such a powerful moment in this episode. And I love the moment where it gets to Janora and she goes, I know where Cora is. Yeah. I think it's such a really cool moment. Um, and is one that shows because of the honoring of the practice of being connected to the Banyan tree, that connection to Janora was able to happen. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's so many connecting things there. Cause you know, it goes back to this, the etymology, right. To be able to accept the worthiness Right. So Cora has always had the capacity to go out and, and extend her her aura into the banyan tree and search and connect. She's always had the capacity to do that, but she wasn't willing or able or like interested. Right. She was intentionally distancing herself from that. And so because of her trauma, she's like, I'm not worthy of being the avatar. I'm not worthy of my friends. I can't write them because I feel like they're going to judge me. So I'm going to continue to distance myself when she had the capacity to do this the whole time. Right. And so thinking about, okay, now I just need to like, how do I think about dignity in a way that's going to allow me to accept the love we think we deserve. Right. Um, it makes me, it makes me think how that shows up in our own lives again. Just kind of this moment of, hey, I, you know, I'm supposed to go to this this dinner party, but I, I I'm not able to bring anything. People are gonna be mad at me, and so yep. I, I'm not gonna go. I, I wasn't in a place to cook or bring something, and so I'm, I'm not gonna go because they're not gonna, they're not gonna love me showing up that way. And I can't show up perfectly, so I'm not gonna do it at all. And so I'm gonna distance yeah. myself from it. Um, or yep. no, I mean they they sent me an invite, but I don't know if they really want me there, and. And so I'm I'm gonna stick away from that because I'm I don't want to deal with the potential harm that could exist if I if it ends up being right what I think the story that I'm telling myself is correct and so yeah. we don't we just completely disengage and lose that connection the entire time and that's a, a tough place to be it is. Um, when you feel that way and then that just spirals the more and more you, you exactly push yourself away from that that connection yep it becomes easier and easier to do the more often you do it for sure. Uh, speaking from personal experience. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. So, okay. We, we kind of briefly touched on Milo, but I'd really like to kind of dive into Iki too. Yeah. Um, She's getting my gratitude, by the way. I'm saying it now. Listen, no, I, I was going to do that. Big <laughs> <laughs> we'll fight for it, but yeah, what well, this is the Iki story and I'm here for it. And I, it like, I'm all about it. And it's just like, I'm tearing up. Um, it's just, it's, it is, this is what sibling, when we talk about like casual cruelty in our like prior episodes, like just, you know, the little things that slip out in casual conversations that have the potential to really cut deep. This episode is full of it. And they are constantly ripping and tearing at each other because they're frustrated because they don't have the skills to do otherwise. And, you know, they're what, 10, 11, 12, 13 ish. And so grown since the five years we we met them last time. Exactly. And it's, you know, Janora, like, like it's, ah, there's so many things that 
I really worry about. But like, it's a good example of this is, you know, Iki is calling out Janora's spirity powers are broken and she doesn't know where. And then I could imagine Janora being like, okay, now I feel less like dignified here. Isn't and then, it amazing how our siblings can like just poke exactly. at those moments exactly where they know the button to press. Exactly. And it's because we, we've had we've talked about it before, this this idea around because you have such strong relation with these people who are close to you in your life, whether it's proximity based uh, and, and not even uh, but if it, even if it's more proximity, um, the ability to understand if I say this, it will get the biggest reaction uh, yeah. because they have such an awareness of you is makes it cut so much deeper. You know when you do this, it makes me feel this way, and you know that you can press that button. And so it's when you when you are not thinking rationally, or they hurt you, it's so easy to turn around and just poke it. Yeah, um, exactly. And and it's good. It's like they're all they all said something to one another that that cut like this. You know, Milo was like oh, yeah. it's your fault, and you need to start pulling your weight. Uh, you know, Iki continues to bash her siblings. You know, Milo is like trying to hit on Tu Yin and is calling her beautiful. And then Iki knows exactly when to cut in and call Milo out and be, be like, ooh, you got to load yourself a boyfriend. Janora does something like this too. And it's really, really illustrative for me of the fact that when one, we are and and they're in a tough spot they they're working on something they don't know where Cora is they're low on food at one point they are all kind of frustrated which has led to this behavior right and it's a continued it's getting worse and worse and worse and it kind of just shows that we're more prone to indignities and hardship Right. We are more prone to hurt people when we are struggling. And I think that's what like if we were to pick all of these and put them together and distill it, that's what I'm kind of walking away with is that they're teaching us that. In success, they all like healed and talked to each other and like praised one another. But in the hardship, it was really easy for them to rip each other apart. Um, and I don't know what that means for us in terms of walking away. But it, 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 I think what it's helping me kind of wonder is how do we build the skills to not rely on ripping each other apart when things are hard, you know? Yeah. Cause even I like, and this is something I feel like I've worked on for a long time and there are still so many moments where I will say something and not half a second later go, that was uncalled for and I apologize, but it's already been said. Yeah. It's all, like it's all the buttons already been pressed. I can't unpress that button. Um, and I think that that it, you're right. It's a skill. And a lot of that skill comes from the self worth, the self worth practice of I'm enough. I don't need to tear other people down. Yeah. To feel yeah. like I'm enough. Cause that's where it comes from, right? Like you're dumb. You're I'm not dumb this is your you're an idiot right like here's how i'm smarter <laughs> than you when it really is you know hey i no i feel good about myself and i don't need to tear people down um to to feel better right yeah. um we're gonna talk like we'll get to devotion but as i'm already starting to kind of think of and craft my my 
my kind of thoughts for this based off of what we talked about is how are we spreading that idea of being good enough more? Um, yeah. I think part of that is a practice, right? We know that when we show gratitude towards others, that it cultivates that feeling of belonging in ourselves while also cultivating that feeling of worthiness to others as well. Um, that practice of gratitude win -win. is a way to spread those things. It's a win-win, right? Uh, one of my other favorite quotes, it's not pie, right? You don't have to like ration out how you give gratitude yeah. to people. Um, it's not, it's an infinite resource. And so yeah. how are we sharing that uh, to really help create that sense of worthiness in, in other people that, that we're in community with? Um, yeah. One of the things that my, one of my favorite moments in this episode, and as we think about feeling worthy, um, and this is the moment that brought me to tears in this episode, reunion. When you see someone that you haven't seen in a while, that reaction, that welcoming space of like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. We've been looking everywhere for you. Yeah. We want to be with you. One of the most powerful things that we can do for people yeah. ever is one of the most powerful things that we can do for anyone is that idea of being welcoming, showing that. And so in that moment where Iki Janora and Milo find Cora and they run to each other and it's just this full embrace. And it is just because of that sense of I'm not feeling good enough, but here is someone who thinks I'm good enough to want to, to, to see me. There's such power in that practice. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, you know, there's times where I think when I think about that in our own lives, there's times where we're like, we're not feeling it right. The day's not great. But when we see someone we care about, kind of pushing ourselves to show that welcoming space can be important. You know what I mean? Like for like, there's days where I'm like, I don't want to, I don't really want to see anybody, but still turning around and saying, Hey, it's, it's good to see you. I didn't expect to see you today. What a cool thing. Um, it's not faking it. It's me wanting to create that sense, not only for them, but for me as well. Like it's just, yeah. there's, there's a power in that. And I think that that's a, that's, that is a moment in this episode that I just think is, is truly awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, this idea of, you know, acceptance, right? So I can run up to someone and welcome them and hug them. And if I'm not like, if they're not in a place to accept that, then they won't. Right. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't like express that, that gratitude and joy. Right. It means that, they might not be able to hear it now, but they will hear it and they'll might remember it later. You yeah. Know? Marinate on it, whatever it might be. But yeah, showing that sense of um, showing that sense of care, I think is super important. And so that's yeah. a moment when we talk about feeling like we have dignity, feeling like we have that pride in ourselves. Sometimes that is a reflection off of the people that we have around us. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know the quote. You're going to know the quote off the top of your head. Um where our identities are based off of the mirror images of what the, our, our community reflects back on us. Um, you know, uh, right. So That's we see right, ourselves right. as other people see us yeah. in fraction pieces. Um, and so I think that's what happens when, when we're building ourselves in pride. A lot of that comes from the way that we interact with other people and the way that we think that they see us. Um, and that's a that's a part of that that happens there in that moment. I think that there's there's a sense that Cora and even a sense of the kids. We found Cora. We did what we were supposed to do. And Cora's happy to see us like we're good enough for this. Yeah, I think is 
uh, just as powerful for them as on the flip side, it's powerful for Cora to be like, I feel broken and useless. And here are people who are a part of my community that still want to be a part of this with me, I think is, and, and telling me I'm the only person who can save the world, right? That there's a little bit yeah. of that. Cause we see that moment of, I can't even go in the avatar state anymore. I, I can't help you. And they're like, no, it's yes, it's you. You're the, you're the one we need. And I think there's a lot of power in that moment as well. Yeah. So the, there's two things I want to make sure we touch on before we transition. Um, one is let's do it. Iggy being captured uh, by these uh, Kuvira stands. Earth cops. The Earth cops. Yes. Um, so, what? What? One of the things I found really interesting about that encounter was that Iki's sense of like, I'm not in any trouble here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Like, let herself be tied up in a way. Like, clear. Like, she was worried, but like, there's privilege in that. There's a, there is privilege in that. But yeah. she's like able to very much just get out of these ropes without any hardship. She's able to, like talk up to these like adults in a way that like I'm thinking that a lot of children don't have the capacity to do. But also one of the things that came up here was she was able to share with these strangers, like what was going on with her. And the moment that I was like, Oh, was Iki was, was complaining about her, her siblings, but she said, but the problem is I'm worried about disappointing my dad. And it kind of goes to this idea of how much the the mentors in our lives, our parents, um, whomever we look up to, has so much, for lack of a better word, like control over our sense of worthiness. And when they, like, if 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 they failed and Tenzin like ripped into them this this line tells me that it would rip Iki apart right and i wonder how much that would affect her uh sense of worthiness long term but if tenzin hears this sees this failure and acknowledges that hey you're you are just as worthy as you were before what that does for her sense and we don't see that in this episode they succeed but like it just tells me how much power our mentors and our loved ones have when we come to them and we're vulnerable saying that we made a mistake or we messed up, you know, it's like, does that, does that track with you too? Oh, for sure. There's a, there's a weird Superman complex. I think that comes with uh, caregivers. Mm. Sometimes uh, when you're young supervisors that may support you or mentors in your career that may support you of this understanding of like, they do everything perfect. I just got to do what they do. Um, and you, as you get older, the learning that like, we're all figuring this out along the way, yeah. the amount of parents who are just kind of like, Oh, I don't know how to parent. I'm just <laughs> trying my best. And that's, yeah. and that has to be good enough. Um, or, uh, career mentors that are like, I, I did this and it worked for me, but like, I don't know. <laughs> like I'm giving this advice as like a, maybe, um, and but and so we, it's almost an unfair expectation that sometimes we put on others, expecting yeah. them to kind of meet this this idea of what we think they are. Um, yeah. And and 
how again it just comes back to like you're enough we need to understand that everyone's enough we need to give grace and assume everyone's just doing the best they can um because there's a flip side to that as well when we do put people on the pedestals and then they hurt us in some way shape or form exactly it cuts that much deeper as you're saying here tenzin might have been like yeah we're sending him out there we can't find cora either right that like that might be his like i can't find cora yeah so it's really not that big of an issue if you can't find her we were just kind of hoping that like the more people that go out and look maybe we'll find her um but that may not be how and it's not how iki views that iki's like we were sent on a mission exactly that if we fail we fail and my dad will think less of me yeah um and how often do we do that? Because the because that communication isn't there. That permission for failure maybe not be feel a part of the culture. Um, well, and how specifically our sense of worthiness is not coming from within; it's coming from outside of us, right? If if Iki's sense of worthiness hinges on whether her dad finds her and deems her as worthy. That is a, a power imbalance, right? And I think part of growing up is learning to separate our personal sense of dignity from this external validation that we have been culturally uh, indoctrinated to believe we require from certain people, right? Um, and that that lives also in um, who holds the power to call things dignified, Right. And so yeah. I'm grown growing up in a world that says this is what's dignified and my own personal dignity is not yeah, that's coming from with outside of me. I'm going to eventually it's going to clash right where my if, if those things clash. And so it it becomes really problematic. And I think what this is asking of us and what Iki is uh giving us is an opportunity to question that and to say, I wonder how we can cultivate an internal sense of dignity over an external um, offering of it. Does that, uh, that's, I, that sounded convoluted in my head. <laughs> no, I mean, there is this, there's how it, it makes me think of how these things clash, right? How societal dignity norms and the, and the self-worth that we give ourselves clash with one another on a regular basis i think of that as body image for me right like i'm a bigger guy um i feel confident in who i am yeah and i feel dignified in who i am most of the time um but here's a societal norm that says if you don't fit into this size pant like you have less value yeah um and so those things are pushing against each other yes pretty pretty regularly um and that's not just happening in that aspect of things it's happening yeah, I would say different factors of life. in every ism that exists, you know, I, I think what's happening is our country is trying to assert what is dignified and the people are pushing back saying, no, people are inherently worthy of love and belonging. All people are inherently worthy of love and belonging and people are trying to say no to that. And I think that's or defeat issue because well, there's and there's certain things that you're like why does it need to be you know i guess re respect then you start getting into the definition of respect or honor because you're like that's not dignified well why do i need to be dignified right now yeah like yeah like uh, that you're not dignified i'm at the beach <laughs> I, I, like <laughs> i'm on vacation I'm, who am i trying to impress here like who uh, i don't like 
I don't need you to honor or respect me or just leave me alone. Like that's the best. And then, and then that is honoring and respecting. Right. And so like, um, you start getting kind of into those, but like I just, there's so, sometimes the question is why, like, why do I need you to feel like I'm dignified? I don't care exactly. in this moment. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to hit on before we jump in to our break and then come back for the next segment? Just one last little critique of talk. Hit it. Um, you know, she sends Cora's like, what do I do? Why don't you go get lunch? Um, you know, and Cora goes out and finds, you know, goes off to find mushrooms and yeah. has these um, visions of her past abusers. Yes. Visions again. And Toph comes along and was like, we have you found lunch yet. And Cora's like, no, here's what happened. And Toph's like, yeah, I figured that would happen. And I'm a big believer <laughs> in the idea that clear is kind clarity is kindness and let me tell you what that that was not clear that was not kind not a kind yeah. moment from Toph. and it's one of those things where like i don't think it would have been any i don't think cora would have resisted I, like i think she would have eventually gone if you had said hey i think part of what i think you need to hear and what the things you need to do would would is to listen to the swamp what has to tell you and i'm not sure what you'll see but Here's what I imagine you'll see based on, and I just, I, I, I think that Cora would have been better prepared. I think that Cora might have not questioned her dignity in that moment and felt as bad for seeing those things. I just think a whole lot would have shifted if Toph would have been clearer in that moment. Which is not always Toph's style. Uh, I would say it's very rarely, very rarely her style. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Clear is kind. And then that thing that gets to the question, are you know, are you showing that someone is worthy of honor or respect if you present it in that way versus I'm tricking you into this or I'm just, you know what I mean? So we're going to take a quick break. We'll jump back in and we're going to talk what pushes us uh, away and pulls us into this episode. Um, we're going to go through our devotion and our gratitude. So we'll be right back. Woo! back from a nice little break we're going to talk about twee and law our pushes and our pulls in and away from this episode uh what is something in this episode that pushes you away we'll start with that yeah i, you, I, I we just talked about it i think that the simple answer here is th that clear is kind and Toph was not clear <laughs> uh and so i think that that like pushes me away and i i struggle with Toph's teaching style even as I really enjoy watching and engaging Toph as a character. Yeah. Well, everyone's one of everyone's personal favorite characters. And yeah. there's so many things that I'm like, Toph. Yep. Yep. Talk, yep. Can we be better about that? Um, 
Mine is goes into uh, the the Earth cops is what I'm going to call them essentially. Uh, the okay. I don't like um, that. <laughs> and part of it is the realism that exists in there, but the um, we see this guy who is kind and sweet and shares food and likes macaroons and wants to connect. Yeah. And the moment that the position that he is in can be benefited by doing what we might call an undignified act, kidnapping, let's find these three kids of Tenzin so that we can take them and use them as collateral to better yeah. our own positions because that's what's going to benefit us in this role is super disheartening because yeah. here's a guy that we're saying like this guy probably in a silo seems super sweet and super kind and has the potential for so much good yeah. and because of the position that he's in and the system that he's in yes is going to actively cause harm and actively do these things that we would consider undignified yeah. um and that's so disheartening because i think that's what gets lost in a lot of conversations that we currently have about systems yes. is that it doesn't matter if you're a good person or that you're trying to do things to the best like i want to make my community better cool you're in a system that is actively not doing that correct um and so it's impossible for you to do that. As good as you are as an individual, that system does not allow you to do that. Yeah, um, really and system. I and I think that's that's one of the bigger, that's a big pull pull away moment for me because I don't think a lot of people see that right. Like it doesn't matter how good or nice or kind that person is; he's a part of a system that is actively harming people. And so, that's a bummer. It's a bummer that he's a part of that system or, you know, for, for whatever reason, it might be because Kavira took over his town. It might be because yeah. um, he thought similar to Bolin, he thought he was going to do good in the world. Uh, and now he's at a point where he's willing to kidnap kids. So, you know, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, I agree on all fronts. That was well said. Yeah. All right. Well, so, well what brings you in then? Uh, the the moments of connection, the, everything from the banyan tree to, to to the the kids finding Cora, I think is just such cool moments. And um, I'm a sucker for moments of belonging and connection in media, and yeah. it's a really good moment of it, and I love that. Yeah, I wish I, I kind of wish they would have like off shot in that animation to all the different things she could have seen. Like I see Tenzin, I see my parents. I see, uh, you know, uh, Bolin and Mako and Asami and then cut to like, I think that would have been the only way to like increase that moment. Yeah. Um, but I do really like that moment. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. I, I, lo I love that. I think, you know, there are so many things I love about this episode. I, one of the ones that I really love is just, is the moment where we see Cora bending the metal out of her body and how, she describes the feeling afterwards. Like she, like, I feel I'm so, so light. Yeah. Oh, the power in that moment. Yeah. It's, it's really, really like really beautiful to think about all of the burdens that like I'm grappling with personally and what it would be like to just uh, release them and how, like how much, how different that would feel physically. Right. And I just, I kind of yearn for it. And I'm also just really, really proud and like glad that Cora can experience that after what she's been through. Absolutely. Oh, so let's good. jump into devotion. What is our practice for this week that we are going to try to implement 
Uh, we are looking at dignity, and we are looking at it through the element of fire. The oh, element yeah. of fire. We're on fire bending right now. So, uh, looking through dignity, element of fire. What is something that you would like to work on this upcoming week? Yeah, the the, the thing that strikes me. I think we've talked about something similar in terms of metaphor before, um, but you know, I, I'm really kind of torn on and hooked on this idea of um, the external validation and the internal. And so I'm thinking about how in order to build a, a fire that is self-sustainable in terms of being able to burn on its own without like continual help from an, an outside source is... It, it needs to get bigger. It needs to, like, if it's only embers, it's not going to, it's going to die out unless, you know, I keep on accepting wood from other people. Um, and I want to be able to fuel my own fire, so to speak, and really lean into this idea of um, not relying on other people to tell me whether I'm good enough. Um, and so, I'm going to try and find and lean into some practices that put logs on the fire for me rather than looking to find where other people can give me wood, if, if that makes sense. And give yeah, me absolutely. Um, because I have certainly been guilty of this. And I think it comes down to like this podcast even, right? Like, oh, if we get enough listeners, if we get enough X, Y, and Z, then, you know, I will be good enough, right? Like, or... Uh, if I produce enough or if I get enough grade, highest, higher grades, I'll be good enough. Right. But instead it's, I get those high grades and I'm still not good enough because it was a 98 and not a 100. And I get like, uh, it's a self-perpetuating thing. And so how do I end that cycle and really look within rather than externally? And so yeah. I'm looking for practices to help me do that. That's a great thing to to work on. Um, I think for Thanks. me, I, I, I really, it, that conversation, uh, uh, the idea of passing fire along, um, there's an old story, uh, about two, uh, folks who are trying to be leaders in their community and they have to take a flame from the base of their, their community all the way up to the top of the mountain. And then on the way back, they have to do, you know? Yeah. 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 And so they've got to, they've got to take this kindling that is kind of burning in embers and, they got to run it up and then run it back and it's a race. And so this one person goes all the way up and then starts to work all the way back. And this other person's more slow, methodical with it. And he notices that someone else needs help starting a fire. And so he helps them. And then he goes to another house and sees that they need to help cooking. And, and the person who ran all the way up the hill and back, his, his embers are gone because he did, you know, he didn't keep it going. Um, and part of that with the guy who who ends up being the leader who took a slower amount of time but had a flame by the time he got back was because he was stopping and passing that flame along and helping, one, keep his own members lit, but helping others the same way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really cool story because it shows that when we are pouring into others, we get a lot of return on that personally as well. But if we're creating this sense of um, worthiness, in others and we are sharing that frequently um the the impact that it has over time i think is really huge and yeah. so what are the things that i am doing to help share that fire um with others what are the things that i am saying to others the people that i care about in my life the strangers that i'm meeting that are helping build that sense of worthiness in them 
and the way that I engage with them. And so that's something I want to focus on. And that can be as simple as, hey, thank you for making this coffee today. I really appreciate it. This is phenomenal. This is great coffee. But like it can be that yeah. simple, but it can also be, hey, I value you as a partner and you do so much to help me to support me. And this is the way I felt that this week. Right. And so how are we sharing those moments to allow other people to feel like they're enough um, yeah. is a focus of mine. Well, go us. We can do this. We Let's do that. This. Yeah, we can do that. Gratitude. Who are we showing gratitude to in this episode um, for this week? Well, I'm, I, you can take it. I'll let you go first. Are you sure? Because I was yes. having somebody else I can be grateful for. Fine. I, I'll take Iki because, uh, you know, we've seen Janora become a master. We love that. We we This is one of the first times we're really getting some cool Iki moments. Um and we've had it once or twice. I, you know, I think it was it was Iki that was kind of with the Sky Bison and Tenzin in the second season. Um, yeah. And I just, I love the growth that we're seeing and the way that she presented herself. And there's a lot of dignity, um, in the way that she engages in this episode. And so I'm just all the gratitude, gratitude towards Iki. Yeah. No, I'm I'm here for it. I'm a big fan of Iki, uh, especially in this episode. Um, but I, so I'm, I'm really also grateful for Pima. We talked about like, I was the way I framed that initial conversation with Pima was that, you know, the kids could mistake her hesitancy if the story they were telling themselves was, was something that perpetuated that. But what we see from Pima is just consistent love and care for her children. And yeah. In uh, support, like, hey, I made you this bag. I decorated all these foods. I wrote you caring notes, um, and uh, like I put them in each one. And I, I think that I am am really grateful for moms who are willing to do that. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort required to. Uh, put all of the time and energy that is necessary to do those things. And, you know, it's unpaid work, right? That is, yeah, uh, that is a lot of time. <laughs> and so I just am really grateful that she is willing to invest that much into her children's well-being because I, I think it makes a huge difference and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, that's it for today, y'all. Um, more episodes to come. We're excited. The final season's here, but we've still got so much to latch on to and so much content to, to talk about uh, from Cora. So we're excited to do that. Follow us on all the socials, BNB underscore pod. That's Twitter. That's TikTok. That's Instagram. Check us out on all those locations. If you'd like to leave us a review on wherever you listen to podcasts, that's also super helpful for us. Um, we just also love to hear your feedback. Sometimes it's yeah. nice to have our cups filled that way. Um, and sometimes I'll read those reviews on the episode as well. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything I'm missing, Ben, before we hop off for today? Yeah. I, I mean, just a quick thing. I've been, I started this project that I don't know how long I'll be able to can do it, like continue it, but I like I'm writing weekdays, uh, going through what has just been episode one so far of avatar. Um, but I'm doing it scene by scene. And so it's literally like 30 second chunks at a time. And I'm doing a deep dive into those 30 second chunks. Um, and you know, we've put out 13 so far and it's been really kind of a fun thing for me to look forward to writing. Um, so I'm, 
foreseeing that to continue. But if you're curious about learning more about what the practices look like for doing sacred readings, um, I'm, I'm doing it. And I invite you to check that out. It's at BNB underscore pod at Substack. Um, if you're curious, you can subscribe to the newsletter and just get those into your inbox as you like. Fantastic. More episodes to come. A lot more core to talk about before we wrap things up. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.